Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Real Talk. With me, your host, Anna Pajajski. Now, as the stupid pun in the name suggests, this is a podcast about materials. And although I'm a materials scientist, this is not a science podcast involving conversations between boring scientists. Instead, it's my mission to find and interview people from all walks of life who might work with a certain material every day or play an instrument made from a particular material or, as we'll hear in today's episode, simply have an absolute obsession for one. In this first episode, I interviewed Dr. Steve Cross, a professional comedian and science communicator, about his lifelong obsession with aluminium. Steve met me in the recording studio in the attic of the Science and Technology Studies Building at UCL in London. We started by breaking the first rule of podcasting, which is no eating in the studio. We noticed these hula hoops. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These hula hoops are kept extra fresh by the inclusion of a layer of aluminium into their packaging. Oh, nice! If you remember crisps when they were just wrapped in plastic, they were always a bit soft and weird. Really? Mm. I'm too young to remember that, I think. Well, well, if you found any now, they'd be deeply unpleasant. It's the addition of a layer of aluminium that uh, makes them better because it's the metal that makes everything better, even crisps. So I'm here with Steve (laughs) Cross. He's eating hula hoops loudly. I find the best thing when you're doing a podcast is to just turn up with loads of crisps because they, they're audio gold. By gold, I don't mean like the good metal. Cause audio aluminium, in fact. Yeah. So I'm sitting here with Dr. Steve Cross. Hello. Science communicator, comedian extraordinaire. Far too kind. He's going to be talking to me about the material that he thinks is the best metal in the world? Now, it's not that I think, first of all, that uh, the thing is, right, opinions and facts are the same. I think if we've learned anything in 2016, looking at politics and everything else, facts don't matter anymore. Opinions are most important. So I'm telling you it is the best. It is the only one that matters. Apart from there are some other subsidiary ones you need to live, but it's the only one that matters. It's the one that matters most to hula hoops. It's the one that matters most to everything. I mean, just looking around our room, uh, all of the, my favourite things in this room are made of this material. Are your glasses made of aluminium? Yeah, of course they are. Of course they are. They're from uh, 1951. So they are made by a company called Artcraft. They predate the invention of the spring-loaded hinge, 
which means that they have to have a little uh, in the middle a little piece of aluminium that bends slightly between the two lenses so right. the nose piece bends to allow you to put them on couldn't do that with steel you would just you cut couldn't. straight that's into your head right. so um yeah that's very clever i think but they do still gouge into your head a little bit and they're slightly despite the fact aluminium is amazingly corrosion resistant they're slightly pitted in places due to 60 years of sitting on people's heads nice do you know why aluminium is corrosion resistant no the reason is is that it's very reactive actually funnily enough oh irony Irony. My basic A-level chemistry tells me that's incredibly ironic that it something is. would not react due to being very reactive. It's got nothing to do with iron, though. Right. Iron. Um, no, it's because it's very reactive and it reacts with the oxygen in the air. So you've got a very thin layer of aluminium oxide right. on the top there. So whenever you scratch it, it just reheals itself. Wow. Amazing. That must be one of the many reasons it is the best. And it, it doesn't rust like stupid iron. Correct. The stupidest of all metals. So, listeners, I, I want to explain, like, um, Anna's set this podcast up where she gets experts on to talk about things. I am not an expert in aluminium. What I am instead is an obsessive. So I have dedicated my life to replacing everything I possibly can with an aluminium version of that thing. What sort of things have you replaced? Uh, all the musical instruments I used to play, most of my furniture, my glasses, um, basically my bike, anything I can get my hands on that you can do an aluminium version. Uh, it's one of the reasons I mainly buy Macs. Nice. Is that they're machined from aluminium. They are. And uh, yeah, it doesn't matter how pretty you make a thing made out of plastic, I don't want it. Um, so yeah, it, it's, be it's become a weird kind of obsession. Um, and uh, that's what I was going to talk to you about. Where I don't it? know anything. I'm just trying to be clear. That's fine. I Where, believe a lot of things. I don't know anything. Where did your obsession start? Uh, it started in music. So I used to play in fairly objectionable noise rock bands. Uh, some of them were trying to be a bit less objectionable and a bit more popular, but I would always ruin that. And um, my favourite band ever is a band called Shellac. Uh, the reason being is that if you listen to their records, they sound better than any other rock band because of the way they're put together and the way they're produced. And I became slightly obsessed with them. And one of the keys to the way they sound, it's because they play guitars uh, made by a company called Travis Bean in the late 1970s. And these guitars are pretty unique um, because they're machined from a big chunk of aluminium. And then there's some wood put around it for decorative purposes. But the basic uh, structure of the guitar, so the, everything that is connected to the bits that make the sound, is a single piece of aluminium bolted together. And what's the benefit of that? Well, I've brought one to show you so we can have a look. Please. So. Just to give you some perspective, this is a Travis Bean TB2000. It's the base model. Oh, uh, yeah, I heavy. used to own three. I've just sold two of them. Um, there are guitar models as well. Yeah, you can see the whole block of aluminium on the back. Yeah. It's exposed. So there's there's a single block of aluminium that runs all the way from the tuners at the top down to the bridge. Mm. And the pickups are bolted to that as well. Which means essentially what oh, you've yeah. got is a giant tuning fork with strings attached to it. So the, uh, the idea behind it is that if you play a note, because there isn't a chunk... Because wood is generally quite dull and guitars mm. sound better the harder the wood they're made from. 
So why not make it out of metal? So why not make it out of something actually hard? Yeah. The other problem with um, guitars is that as temperature changes, they go out of tune mm-hmm. because the wood uh, has it bends. And strings put a lot of tension on a guitar neck and pull it forwards. Mm-hmm. So they have a rod of steel in the middle of them. Okay. And once you've got a thing that's made of two different materials like that trying to provide strength, it's pretty unpredictable how it bends in different circumstances, so you constantly have to tune it. These, I mean, literally, I just uh, got it out of the bag that it's been under my sofa for two years today because I haven't played in bands for a bit. It was still in tune. Amazing. Um, because nothing bends on the whole thing. So, yeah, that was the beginning of the obsession. So what I'm interested in is why aluminium? I think part of the thing is that other metals are too heavy. You know, steel, copper, brass, they're way too heavy to make a whole guitar out yeah. of. But also I think it's partly to do with the history. So the guy who started making these actually came from motorcycle customization okay. and moved over into basses. So he joined up, uh, basses and guitars, he joined up with a, a couple of people who had made guitars in the past and set up his company in about 1974 to make these. Um, and yeah, it's partly his history. So he knew aluminium. It's partly because it's America. Mm-hmm. Um, America tended... Uh, throughout the 20th century to make a lot more stuff out of aluminium than we did in Britain because we didn't have aluminium in Britain. Right. So you, there's very little British uh, aluminium furniture and stuff like that. We tended to make things out of very thin steel instead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's to do with, I think, what's around, what they're used to and what is light enough. Yeah, that was the thing that started me off. So what happened next then? What were your next... Have some hit Sorry? I'm just going to need a quick hula hoop because they're coated in aluminium. So does that mean that hula hoop packets are recyclable? No. It's a composite. They're plastic. Mm. And as we all know, composites are a pain in the arse to recycle because you've got to re-extract the exactly. two things that have been bonded in a ridiculous way. Yeah. No. Partly the aluminium thing does go back to um, my other obsession in life is no composites. Okay. So uh, I try and buy I buy clothes that are only made of one thing. Okay. Um, and stuff like that. And I like um, furniture that's made of actual bits of wood. Yeah. Instead of uh, MDF or plywood or anything clever like that. So what's your opposition to composites? I don't really have one. <clears throat> just but don't you just feel an essential purity to things that are made of one material? True, but the whole point of composites is to combine the strength of two materials. Yeah. No. And I, I get it. Them, yeah. But I just just not up for it. Just not up for it. <laughs> the, well, the thing is, like I've been talking about aluminium blithely as if it's not an alloy, but yeah. uh, the the aluminium used in nearly everything I own is um, it's an aircraft alloy. It'll be six oh six one or six oh six four for the nerds out there. Nice. So it's about one percent magnesium, just under one percent silicon, okay. a few other bits and pieces. So that's pure enough for you. Yeah, purer than that. I think people don't want to work with it weirdly because it's not as strong. I don't know. I think it, it might be the workability, so how you can mm. weld it and extrude it and those sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, pure aluminium would be softer probably, so easier to work with. Oh, right. But you probably wouldn't want a soft guitar. Yeah. Would you get the nice shiny? Yeah, you'd still get nice and shiny. Also. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, actually, aluminium is one of the materials that remains shiny when you make it really, really small. So if you make like an aluminium dust, it would still be silvery coloured. Oh, wow. Whereas most silver metals would be grey. Oh, is that why you can get aluminium paint? But yeah. But you can't get steel paint? Exactly. Okay. Nice. There you go. Fun fact. Yeah, very good. Very good. So when Although you... I have been tempted to paint wooden furniture with aluminium paint and it does not look like aluminium. Why? 
Why have I been tempted to paint it? Yes, and also why does it To not? match all my actual <laughs> aluminium furniture. I have a vision of your house as just being like, you know when some people like prank someone and put aluminium foil over everything in their room? Yeah. I feel like that's what your house is the, like. The trouble is it's not that shiny because the, the times when people used to make a lot of aluminium furniture was the early 1950s because there was, a, in the Second World War, both the US and UK governments had basically taken over metal manufacture and had stockpiled shed loads of steel for making guns and things, mm -hmm. but aluminium for making planes. So there was a massive glut of aluminium that both countries had that they just basically kind of flooded out cheap. And suddenly, if you were a manufacturer, if you could work out how to make your thing out of aluminium, suddenly you've got this really cheap material. So there's this sudden glut of aluminium wardrobes and dresses and drawer units and all okay. sorts of things so i got a couple of things that are much later in the 20th century like 90s things but they tend to be much more designed very engineered aimed at a very high-end market whereas um aluminium furniture was aimed at the general market it was aimed at it was a new thing for kitchens before we had really advanced plastics for doing all of kitchens um and also a lot of it went into weird things like um caravans and motorhomes and things like that because if you're going to drag it around you need it light so you okay. make, it, make it all out of aluminium do they make like cars out of aluminium as well or there have been a few mm. um i think it's much more expensive to make a car out of aluminium than yep. it is out of steel so <clears> there, there tend to be not many you get you know every few years one will be advertised and it's very, always very top end it'll be like a top end audi or something yeah like that. yeah yeah because aluminium is much more expensive due to how it's processed yeah so yeah, they use process called, well, purification process called electrolysis. Right. So you have to use loads of electricity. Yeah. In order to separate it from its like impurities that come in the ore, so that's unlike steel, for example, where you just melt it up. Yeah. And use things to get out. I did read this week that the only aluminium smelting plant left in the UK is in Scotland and powered by hydroelectric power. Oh, cool. Because all other electricity is too expensive now for making aluminium in the UK. Awesome. It's not awesome. We need more aluminium. We need more aluminium, but it's good that it is sustainable. Yeah, that's true. That is true. God, making me question the... No, because of all the aluminium stuff I've got secondhand, it's sustainable by default, so I don't true. feel bad. Yeah. Because it's all vintage stuff. So when you bought your... Or got your guitar made in Florida... Yeah. Did you have trouble conversing with the Floridians because they would have called it aluminum? <laughs> No, unsurprisingly. That's that's one of those cultural things that we've got over fairly quickly, Okay, I think. Uh, also, I just wanted them to make it, and me just sending them an email going, uh, no, there's an eye in that, there's an eye in that, over and over again. Might have been a little bit too much for them, might have pushed them to the edge. So you yielded and you called it aluminum? No, I called it aluminium in every email, and they called it aluminum. I guess if you work with it, then you probably know what it means. Hmm. You're probably used to but it. These, these guys, that's all they do is they make aluminium guitars, so... Mm. You just have to go, I want a guitar, and they pretty much know what you want it made from. Right. The only problem with having a, a, a base where the whole thing is made of polished aluminium is it is a fingerprint trap extraordinaire. Oh, yeah. So you just have to get used to the fact it always looks grotty. Yeah, or just polish it all the time. Well, even if you polish but... it all the time, within four seconds of a rehearsal or a gig, it's yeah. covered in yeah. fingerprints and yeah, yeah, yeah. You would think that someone would have thought of how to combat this problem. Well, you can you can go for a matte finish or you can anodise it. That's the other amazing thing is that um, you can bake. Anodising, I mean, you'll probably know better than me, involves driving pigment into the aluminium oxide layer. Yeah. So you, it's the colour is kind of baked into it. Yeah. So it's much harder than painting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so aluminium oxide, um, if you look at it under a microscope, um, has lots of little pits in it. Right. It's kind of like... 
um, how would you describe it? Pity. It's pity. <laughs> Pitted? It, yeah, not like a prune, though. Okay. And that means that when you put your um, your dye pigment in, yeah. then the dye actually sits inside the little pits. And oh, so cool. it is like bonded really well to the surface. So if you're wondering what anodized aluminium looks like, the surface of a MAC, you know, that kind yeah. of like soft finish, that's mm. anodized aluminium. But mm. it's, most of them are silver, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, that's that's a fingerprint proof finish, but then it's just not as exciting. Yeah. I'm quite into raw aluminium where it's not been polished mm -hmm. and um, it's still kind of slightly dull. Yeah. But you can see every mark on it. And also as you do anything with it, it becomes more polished. So okay. you can see if you like go to, into my kitchen, the uh, cupboard that has the good whiskey in around the handle is much more polished than the rest of it because the rest of it's not been polished since the 50s yeah but uh yeah just where i've grabbed that handle repeatedly has yeah. become polished Over the it's years. quite cool awesome what's your best aluminium pun jeez i'll leave you with that one for a bit actually that's quite hard well the, so um nike used to make a watch that was huge and made out of aluminium and it was called big al <laughs> genuinely I owned one of those because I own an <laughs> aluminium everything. I lost it somewhere. Is that your alter ego, Big Al? No, absolutely not. I'm neither big nor called Al. Um, no, 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 no. Um, if you could have any body part that was made of aluminium, what would it be? Mm. It depends how much complicated electronics and motors goes into it as well because can you imagine playing football with aluminium legs it'd be amazing <laughs> every time you go in for a sliding tackle guaranteed double leg break for the person <laughs> you've gone in on like even if you make a clean tackle yeah. you're going to cripple so it'd be great just winning every game by default as the opposition are all carried off after all you've done is a perfectly legal block on nice. something but because your leg doesn't give in any sort of way <laughs> you shatter them into little bits that'd be yeah legs that's pretty good. Yeah, and if you could put good enough motors in them. Um, I mean, the only problem mm. is aluminium's not hugely hard-wearing, so you'd have to put a layer of something on the bottom of your feet if you wanted to just Oh, yeah, run. otherwise your, your feet would just, like, grind away. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not ideal. Well, it's ideal in a way because it means you can sand it and polish it and those sorts of things. Mm. I've got some lovely uh, aluminium polish at home which says on it, warning, contains hydrofluoric acid. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty hardcore. <laughs> It's only like 1%, but it's still like, oh, whoa, God. I'm not getting this on my skin. Yeah. So how do you polish aluminium properly then? Just use a hard cloth and really good polish and it's fine. And that takes ages. If you do it by hand, try and do it um, mechanically, you can, but uh, you tend to get flat spots and things because I don't own a great big mm. proper uh, thing. So I ended up doing it with a Dremel. Which is too small a spot. It's a tiny mini drill. Oh, right. Okay. You can put sanding and polishing things on it. But um, yeah, because it's so tiny. If you stay in one place for too long, it's like, that's the shiniest place in the world now. <laughs> You'll never get anything else to look like that. Um, I'm going to come back to my interesting science fact that I can didn't I have a quick say earlier. Yeah. Do you want yeah. one? Yes, please. Thank you. Other things that come in cans. Um, They've come in aluminium, um, coke, obviously, mm -hmm. lovely, beer, brilliant. Yep. Just the best, best material. It's also 100% recyclable. Exactly. Which is good. And actually, when they started making coke and beer in cans, that was when aluminium recycling actually 
took off because mm. it was like mass producing all these things. And it mm. used to be weirdly um, right at the start, it would have an aluminium body but a steel top and bottom because oh. manufacturing wasn't quite good enough that the bits that where it had to be deformed and yeah, to deal yeah. with the pressure, it wasn't quite good enough. Mm. So yeah, I do remember early eighties aluminium cans with steel tops and bottoms. So they had to remove, obviously, the tops and the bottoms before recycling? Yeah, I think it was before the recycling really, really right. kicked off. Um, and it, I think one of the reasons to get rid of them was that they were a pig to recycle. Yeah, yeah. Because you couldn't separate them. I think there are still some steel cans out there. Oh, right. But That's I think... silly. Hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you the fact now. Yep. Sorry. Aluminium facts. It's okay. So... Do you want me to do a jingle? <laughs> If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What? That was a jingle. Well, you do proper fanfares like for a living. So I, I, yeah. don't, I don't want to. I didn't want it to be like, oh, this is clearly a parody. Actually, fanfare trumpet. was my best paid gig ever. Right, I was asked to do a fanfare to announce dinner. Yeah, and they paid me sixty pounds, and it was twelve notes long. Amazing, five pound a note. Yeah, so that's your rate now. <laughs> Originally, they wanted me to play it twice, which would have been obviously half the rate. And then yeah. I played it once, and they were like, oh, "That's fine." Brilliant. Here's your check. So anyway. can I can I buy you a pound a five pounds a note? You can. I can pretty much just afford a single pop. <laughs> People often ask me if I'll like. Follow them around and fanfare them into rooms and things. Like if you've got a job interview. Yeah, five pound a note. Yeah. That would dissuade them really quickly. 
Depends how much they want the job, I guess. Yeah, well, also, they'll be, you'll just find people wanting one note then. As they walk in, there's just... <laughs> <laughs> Which note would you choose if you could only buy one note from me? Oh, um, G. Which G? A nice baritone one. Can the trumpet get down that the, far? The penultimate lowest note on a trumpet is yeah. a G. Right, I love that. Because okay. uh, I'm assuming that's quite a lot of effort to generate a lot of sound with if it's the penultimate lowest note. Yeah, it can be, yeah. Yeah, so partly I want it for that. For its difficulty. Partly I want it for all of the lazy bands I know where every song is in G minor. Yeah. And uh, you can like stitch bits of their different songs together because <laughs> they're all G minor and 6-8. Oh, that's mournful. Let's make all our songs like that. <laughs> you know who you are, bands out there. Um, okay, I'm going to give you the facts now. Yes, aluminium <laughs> facts, good. No, this is good. I'm, I like the fact that you're adding like uh, proper knowledge to my accumulated nonsense. Has it been obvious when I've given proper knowledge? No, I do, yeah. I, I want proper knowledge. Good, okay. So, as we've actually spoken about already, aluminium is quite difficult to produce. Yeah. Especially if you don't have much electricity around. Um, and actually, when it was first isolated... And they started to want to try and make more of it in the mid-1880s. Um, it was so difficult to produce that it actually became more valuable than gold. Yeah, quite right. And you would have that the case today, wouldn't no, you? No, because then all my stuff would be too expensive. True. If everything, if t- aluminium could suddenly become more valuable than gold, yeah. then all the stuff I've already got, I could sell off at a yeah. massive... But, like, you have got aluminium on your face right now. Yeah, so that's true. I get mugged. You'd get glasses. mugged pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so... Napoleon III of France yep. um, is reputed to have is held... Is that the famous one? I'm not sure. Okay. I need to look that up. Fact check. Um, I need like a... Note wah, to wah, Anna. Wah. Put checked fact in here. <laughs> yes. I need like an anti-fanfare for a fact that I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, come on, fact. Um, Napoleon III. Napoleon III. It's a fact. Yep is reputed to have held a banquet where the most honoured guests were given aluminium cutlery. Wow. And the second most honoured guests were given gold cutlery. Yes, quite right. Aluminium, now, aluminium crockery. I haven't got any aluminium cutlery. I've got some aluminium crockery. Um, Complete pain in the Mm arse as plates because uh, steel knives market. Yeah. So um, cutting your dinner up, everything just looks battered really quickly. Also, you feel a little bit like you're camping in the <laughs> army. Uh, that's not so good. I have I got. You could use plastic colour, couldn't you? But then you feel even more like you're camping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's no good. I have got some really nice uh, polished aluminium martini glasses. Mm. Those work perfectly. Yeah. Because you don't have to actually put your hand on a bit that's really cold. Mm, nice. The worst is an aluminium cocktail shaker. So if you get an aluminium cocktail shaker, shake really hot, fill it with ice, put your cocktails in, shake really hard. The outside freezes, which means your hand sticks to it. <laughs> and that is a design flaw <laughs> of aluminium cocktail shakers. It's all right if you put like three ice cubes in just to chill a drink a bit. Yeah. If you're making a martini or something where you've really got to drive its temperature yeah. down, yeah, you, your hand sticks. The whole outside of the, the shaker <laughs> gets this frost over it and your hand sticks to it. It doesn't like stick permanently, but it's just a bit of as you pull it off yeah you're you don't need skin behind skin. Oh, don't worry don't worry but um, yeah that's a design fault it's yeah. one of the things that I don't recommend people get aluminium <laughs> ones of um, also they um, because it's very soft 
uh, a lot of the vintage ones that I've bought in the past have been slightly just dented really subtly so that the lid doesn't quite perfectly fit. Which so you is shake. another danger. Yeah, well, the, the thing cocktail just sprays out the sides as you shake, yeah. which is a bit of a problem. Oh, I've got a good Pokemon fact. What? Sort of Pokemon fact. Okay. If this goes beyond the original 151 Pokemon, though, I may declare it non-canonical. It does not. Good. I don't think. Okay, far away. Both Sapphire and Ruby, they are mostly corundum, which is a mineral of aluminium oxide. Wow. It's mostly aluminium. Okay. With a few metallic impurities to give them their colour. Sorry, that was Sapphire and Ruby. Sapphire and Ruby. So what, if they didn't have the impurities, what would it just be a It would colourless maybe be colourless, yeah. How exciting. Yeah. Does that make them really tough? Yes. Because isn't um, corundum in its powdered form used in like sandblasting? Correct, and stuff like yeah. That? It's got on the Moore's hardness scale. Right. From zero to ten. Right. Hello, this is Anna from the future to let you know that you're wrong. The Moore's Hardness Scale, in fact, goes from 1 to 10, not from 0 to 10, you worthless idiot. 0 being? Human flesh. No. Water. It's pretty niche. Feathers. <laughs> Nearly. Honey. No, it's not. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> uh, care bears. <laughs> no. The wishes of a child. Needs to be solid. The really solid wishes of a child. <laughs> no, it's talc. Oh, of course. And it's solid or like balsa wood. That could be down there. It's probably down there, yeah. yeah. It's probably like one. Okay. From zero to ten. Ten yeah. being... Diamond. Yeah. It's an easy one. Yeah. Um, corundum is nine. Yes, hello. Pretty where, high. Where does uh, an iPhone screen come in? Is that down again at zero? Well, actually, it's quite hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's just very brittle. Of course, because hardness and brittleness go together quite often. Yes. Apart from in diamonds. Yes. Right. Facts. So, yeah, I mean, an iPhone screen might be like six. Mm. Well, are we counting compounds? Because remember yeah. my, my purity rules from earlier. So this is true. Actually, when you look on the Wikipedia page, like most, like pretty much half of it is aluminium and other stuff. Yeah. So, if we're not counting compounds, then I can't say the Pokemon thing. Well, you can say whatever you want, but it's just it, it, whether we're claiming it as the material. Because then things get really stupid. Because you just go, my favorite, my favorite material is carbon. And it's like why? Because it's basically everything. Wow. Yeah, that's true. And that's uh, that's just copping out. Yeah, I wouldn't... I don't know if I'd even class carbon as a material. No. That's quite a controversial view. No. But obviously all different materials are made of carbon and different allotropes. And it's because one of the things... People always explain graphene to me and they say, well, the <coughs> thing is with graphene, it's just it's like a single molecule thick or a single atom thick layer of, of graphite. And I'm like, right, so it's graphite then. <laughs> it's just really thin. Like when we invented gold leaf, people didn't go, ah... Oh, we will call this Goldine. <laughs> a, it's the name of a Pokemon, it it's is. not good. And B, they knew that it was still the same material, it was just a very thin mm. bit of it. So I think graphene should be rebranded as thin graphite. Gra graphite leaf or similar. It's just a bit silly to call it a different thing, isn't mm. it? Yeah, it is. I wonder if anyone's ever made aluminium. Probably. 
but they would they just wouldn't go on about it, you know, because yeah. aluminium fans, they're just, they're not as self-congratulatory mm. as your carbon chemists who are like, oh, we made a buckyball. <laughs> what good came of that? None. Probably. I haven't looked any up. <laughs> you I Google, you. what good came of buckyballs? Yeah, that's quite a silly name, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's also a nickname you don't want to have. Yeah, hey, Buckyballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's hard to think. Is there anything that ends in balls that you would want <laughs> as a nickname? Um, like Golden Balls, that was quite a yeah, good nickname. Yeah, there you someone, go. Yeah. Materials link. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be called Aluminium Balls. Yeah, that was Because it next implies thing. that they're really light. <laughs> Yeah. And oxidise easily. And no. Shiny. Where does it rate on the malleability and ductility scale? I haven't looked. There actually isn't a scale for that. You just give the what? figure. Oh. Um, I don't know how ductile it is. So it's, does hardness not have units other than the scale then? No. Okay. Wait, does it? You should there was another the test. I should know this. There is a test that you can do called the Vickers hardness test. Yeah. Which is when the you... The worm, please. That's a very 70s sitcom trope there. <laughs> vicars not as in a vicar. No, as in multiple vicars, yeah. Because there's an S on the end of it, vicars. In the vicars hardness test, you take a diamond... Okay. Um, ...that is in the shape of... A heart? Um, <laughs> no, an upside-down pyramid. Okay, so a pyramid. But it's upside-down. Okay. And you push it into your material. Right. And you leave an imprint. And the force with which you need to push that yeah. thing into the thing um, is your measure of hardness. Right. Where do you get... How big is the pyramid-shaped diamond? Really small. Oh, okay, good. So it's not too expensive. I no. was imagining, like, the biggest diamond in the world <laughs> being used to check giant sheets. That would be good. But, no, it's like... You can't even see it. Um, something I was going to say in the introduction, which I forgot about, which I might put back in, is that this is our first podcast and we're doing element number 13. Yeah. Unlucky for some. Oh, well, I'm cursing you. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's not cool, is it? Well, the thing is, right, 13, that's just a label humans have put on it. Mm. Right? Aluminium didn't choose that as its own identity. So to say it's unlucky is humans imposing their meaning of aluminium onto aluminium itself, which I think is, I just don't think that's fair. Yeah. I think it should be allowed to choose its own identity. In its world, its atomic number is one. Because it's the best. <laughs> Trouble with that is, unlike un nearly every other science labelling system, the, l yeah. the numbering of elements is actually based in something factual. Yeah. So you can't quite do that. You can't. That's no. my standard response to things. Do you know what the most po most common ore for aluminium is? Bauxite. Correct. I know a fact. What's the second most common? Because I don't know, but you'll have it written down. I don't know. I don't have it written down either. No, I learned bauxite at school. Did you? Yeah. In like one of the seven chemistry facts I remember. Nice. Well, I try not to remember chemistry because, you know, chemistry. Yeah, I never knew it anyway. Um, do you know where it's found mostly in the world? Argentina. It's not on my list. Australia. Yes. 
I knew it was countries that start with A and end in A. <laughs> America. No. Mm. They've got a lot of it. Go on, where else? This Brazil, is... Guinea and Jamaica. Those are the top four. Wow. Together with Australia. Wow. For a minute there, I thought you were just going to list countries by order of size. It's found <laughs> everywhere. Isn't it something like the fourth most abundant? It's actually the third most abundant. Yes, upgrade. Come on. Second to... The, we're talking about the Earth's crust here. Yeah. To specify. Can silicon. You, yep. Presumably oxygen. Yeah. Bound to all that silicon. Yeah. Then, then aluminium. Yeah. Take that iron. There you go. Yeah, iron wins in the core, I think. Yeah, but we can't get to the core. We can't get to the core. Right, so it's useless. It might as well not exist. It's made up. We've never been there. We don't know that. It does give there. us magnetism, though, doesn't do it? Do we know that? How do we know there isn't just a wizard in the middle doing the magnetism? We, we don't. don't. We don't. This stupid thing of science saying it's made of this, 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 and this. Well, unless you get down there, it's not, mate. It's made of something that is simulating the effect of being made of that, 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 and that. But also, you've just got to apply Occam's razor, right? So either you've got to do really complicated maths to work out what all the different ores are in the core, how they move, blah, 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 blah. That's complicated. If you just say a wizard done it, that's simple. That is simple. And the Occam's razor says in science, without evidence, the simplest explanation is the one that counts. So there is a wizard trapped in the middle of the world simulating a very complex core living forever. It's a dragon. A dragon lives in the middle of the planet... <laughs> And eventually it will hatch. Into That's why it's hot in the middle of the planet. So it's the dragon egg hasn't hatched yet. Yeah, so the that's why it's hot though, is that the dragon breathes out and it makes all the core hot. Okay. That's where lava comes from. It's the dragon's wee coming out <laughs> from the middle of the planet. <laughs> Obviously. It does make sense. Yeah. And it's a simpler, quicker explanation yeah. than many equations and looking for lots of evidence. It's a dragon. Which came first, the dragon or the core of the egg? <laughs> I think if I say which is the first, the dragon or the egg, it's like, well, the dragon is in the egg, so both at the same nice. time. I do get annoyed, like, with... Um, Does that not count for chickens as well, though, then? Well, uh, presumably. But when people post, like, which came first, the chicken or the egg, and uh, people go, well, reptile eggs existed for millions of years, and you're like, yeah, but the point is... The chicken or the chicken egg. That's implicit in the thing. It is. Not was there any other kind. You can't win that argument just by going, oh, reptile. Because it's actually a really, it's a weird question about speciation. And at some point, something that wasn't a chicken had to lay an egg that was a chicken. Stupid thing about all of this is that uh, chickens were made by hybridization of two existing species. They? Of a wild fowl thing in the... Um, oh God, what was it? An island. All right. Um, yeah, like the the two species that hybridised are still around, so you can go and catch whatever this wild fowl is. There's two different kinds. There's a red one and a grey one. Two different species hybridised to make a chicken. So, in the question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? The answer is the weird fowl. Yeah. The, the answer the, is neither. Yeah. But at some point, something must have laid an egg that had a chicken in, and that thing wasn't a chicken that laid the egg that had a chicken in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the egg. Um, I might have run out of interesting things to talk I about. I think me too. I yeah. think we've done pretty well, though. Thank you can you. edit that down. You'll get something out I of it. I would think so. Do you want to do a sign-off? Um, yeah, say things about, like, 
where they can find you oh yeah 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 where they can find me so if you if you want to see more uh, ranting about how aluminium is better than everything else uh, do go and follow me on twitter i'm at steve and then an underscore and then the letter x as if i was finishing an email to you and sending you a kiss um and if you want to hear me tell jokes about other things go and have a look at scienceshow.org where you can find all of my upcoming gigs unfortunately if you've listened to this and thought oh that music sounds great don't really do that anymore because music is very difficult whereas comedy is much easier so i mainly tell jokes great thanks for coming on the show steve no it's problem at all to talk to you i mean i feel bad that um that's a mouse poo by the way uh i feel bad that uh, every other podcast you make won't be as good as this because aluminium is the best of all materials so going on from here you'll be people going talking about how their material can be used for a thing that aluminium is better at well, it's good to start at the top, isn't it? Yeah. Number one Get material. a titanium person on. It's titanium. It's just posh aluminium. So that was my lovely chat with the fabulous Steve Cross. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to hear more, then please subscribe. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send me a tweet at Realtalk. That's R-I-A-L talk. Or you can email me at realtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Before we go, I'd like to introduce you to the section of the podcast in which we ask you, the listeners, to ask the questions. Now, in future episodes, I'm going to be answering your questions about materials. Maybe you've always wondered what makes stainless steel stainless. What's up with those fibres containing animals? And why do plastic bags take so long to degrade? Now, since I've actually got no listeners currently, I put it out to my Facebook friends to ask me some of their materials questions. Jacob Haddad of MasterChef fame asks, why do egg whites whisk better in a metal bowl than in plastic? Well, Jacob, first let's look at what an egg white actually is. It's made up of about 90% water and 10% proteins, which are just long string-like molecules. When you just crack the egg, these stringy molecules are all coiled up randomly, but the mechanical action of whisking air into the egg whites allows these coils to untangle and form chemical bonds with each other. The structure then has long molecules which are all bonded together and this stiffens the foam and stabilises the air bubbles which you've whisked inside. Now your question was about metal versus plastic, but as we've heard in today's podcast, not all metals are equal. The secret to this one is using a copper bowl. When you do this, some of the copper atoms actually leach out into the egg whites and these atoms react with the proteins in the egg whites and promote the formation of bonds between the molecules. This makes the material even more stable and your peaks even stiffer. Interestingly, a silver bowl will have the same result as a copper bowl, but lesser materials like stainless steel or, heaven forbid, plastic, don't do the same because they have the wrong atoms in them. So there we have it. There's your materials question answered. If you have any questions for a future episode, then please get in touch. You can send me a tweet at Realtalk, that's R-I-A-L talk, or you can send me an email at realtalkpodcast at gmail.com. For now, I've been Anna Pajajski. Thank you all so much for listening, and I look forward to hearing your materials questions and answering them in future episodes. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.